Kumusta mga kababayan at mga kaibigan na nanonood sa atin ngayon? Welcome sa Usapang Off the Record. I am your host, Eileen Ligotizan. I'm an attorney licensed in the state of Texas and in the Philippines. And I am the managing partner of the Ligotizan Law, uh, Law Firm based here in Houston, Texas. Well, um, hayaan niyo munang batiin ko kayo ng isang magandang gabi, magandang umagat, magandang tanghali. Asan man kayo naroon, um, Maraming salamat at sinasama nyo kami dito sa Usapang Off the Record. Kami ay live uh, sa Facebook at sa YouTube via Roof Chamber Radio Pinoy. Kaya like and follow Roof Chamber Radio Pinoy Facebook page and subscribe to uh, Facebook the, uh, the YouTube page of Roof Chamber Radio Pinoy. At kung hindi nyo naman kami masamaan sa live show, pwede naman kayo manood ng uh, aming recorded show sa Facebook and uh, sa YouTube then. And of course, you can also listen to us via uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Listen Notes, and Radio Public. Yan. And um, kami dito sa Usapang of the Record, we love to see you engage in our conversation. Uh, gusto namin makita na uh, nagtatanong kayo uh, dahil uh, we'd love to be able to share knowledge with you uh, hanggang sa makakaya namin of course yan ang ating yan ang purpose ng ating uh, show this is a public uh, service uh, show it's a legal talk show um, and we would like to uh, share knowledge legal knowledge to our uh, viewers and listeners and kung hindi nyo naman kailangan yan sa ngayon uh, eh, at least eh, eh, kung sakasakal man kailanganan yung knowledge ay eh, napakinggan niyo na dito sa amin at kung meron kayong mga kaibigan na nangangailangan ng kanyang ng legal uh, uh, advice or at least knowledge related to what we are, we are about to discuss today feel free to share the knowledge um, because we would like to uh, educate people uh, about the uh, some legal um, Uh, legal matters that could probably, you know, change your life. Ayan. So, uh, dito, mapapanood nyo ang uh, usapang of the record uh, every Friday, 9 p.m. Central Time. So, kung nasa East Coast ka, yan ay 10 p.m. At kung nasa Pacific ka naman, ay 7 p.m. ng Friday. And if you are in the Philippines, um, we you can uh, actually join us during the live show at 10 Uh, AM ng Saturday. And of course, if you're in uh, somewhere in Sydney, Australia, that'll be uh, around um, 1 p.m. Tama ba ko? Yeah, so anyway, uh, I'm excited today kasi meron tayong makakasama na another uh, Filipino-American attorney na nagpa-practice dito sa U.S. As, uh, as a matter of fact, nandito rin siya sa Houston. And uh, makakasama natin siya in few minutes dahil pag-uusapan natin ang International Commercial Dispute Resolution. At yan ang kanyang practice. Kaya alam ko na marami tayong matututunan uh, sa ating episode today. Ngayon, um, yung mga kasama natin ngayon, uh, please uh, write your comment. Write your, uh, um, you know, uh, post your shout out to your friends. And if you have any question, feel free to write it there because we are going to read your shout outs, your comments, your questions during the live show. Pero kung ilalagay nyo after the live show, eh baka hindi na namin masagot yan. Kaya huwag nyo nang hintayin pang matapos ang show, i-post na yan. Uh, at syempre pa, of course, if you have any question, we will give you information also as to uh, where you can contact us later on. Um, so ngayon, sa ating episode, pag-uusapan natin, ano ba tong commercial arbitration? Um, sino-sino ba yung mga parties involved uh, sa international commercial arbitration? So pag sinabing natin international, we are talking about global, right? So maybe um, uh, companies that are located in different parts of the world. So malalaman natin ang mga kasagutan sa mga tanong na yan. At syempre pa, oh, we also want to know ano ba yung mga methods na ginagamit to resolve international commercial disputes. At pwede pa natin malaman din, not, not only about commercial disputes, but any other international disputes that yung ating guest for tonight or for today, ay yan talaga ang kanyang practice. So I'm very, very uh, glad na makakasama natin siya ngayon. At uh, syempre pa, eh, let me introduce our special guest 
for today. Yan. Um, our guest is an attorney in Vincent and Elkins Houston office. He focuses in international commercial arbitration, investor state arbitration, and U.S. commercial litigation. Um, alam nyo, he is the current program's chair of the Institute for Transnational Arbitration or tinatawag na ITA. And he is the immediate past chair of the young ITA. Now, prior to practicing law, our guest worked for the International Organization for Migration, Iraq Mission, which is a UN affiliate organization, um, managing community assistance programs and development projects in Iraq. He was also a Fulbright Scholar in Jordan, where he studied Arabic and research foreign assistance projects in the Middle East. Um, you know, he is proficient in Arabic and French. So, tat, uh, ano, papagsalitain natin siya later on to give uh, a sample ng Arabic and French uh, 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 language. Ako, pinag-aralan ko ang French dati, pero because I never use it after the, uh, after the class, after, you know, I finish it, I forgot. I totally forgot about it. But you know, ang ating guest, he may be proficient in um, Arabic and French. Um, he's not so proficient in, in Tagalog, but he can understand Tagalog. Kaya naman, let me welcome to our show sa Usapang Off the Record, Attorney Robert Reyes Landicho. Hi, how are you? Welcome to the show, Attorney Robert. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, sabi ko kanina, no, you're proficient in Arabic and French. Uh, why did you greet our audience? Because we might have audience uh, in, in France or in, in the Middle East area. So, French, it's bonjour, obviously. Bonjour. Or... That's the first word I learned. That's yes. the only word that I remember. <laughs> and in Arabic, if you are being formal, you would say, Assalamu alaikum. Um, uh-huh. Or you could say marhaba, which is uh, more casual, and that's probably just derived from the Turkish, but they use it in the Arab world all the time to say marhaba. Marhaba. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so uh, you, you, of course, I, I want to talk about your Filipino background, but since you already started talking about, uh, you know, giving us the uh, uh, greetings, your greetings in Arabic and French, um, and you had a background in Iraq. So did you stay in Iraq and how long? Did you actually so, stay there? So I've been to Iraq maybe five or six different times, um, but I'd never had to live there because uh, obviously it's it, it's very expensive for the security and it's uh, relatively unsafe. Um, so for a long time, the UN uh, officers and affiliate agencies were located in Jordan or in Kuwait or uh, surrounding countries. So I lived in Jordan for a number of years when I worked uh, at the UN affiliate organization. Wow. And how was it? I mean, I, you know, you said that it's not safe. What's ha what was happening during that time you were there? So this is... Um, maybe mid-2000s when I was there, uh, maybe 2007, 2008, 2009. Mm -hmm. um, and that was maybe a few years after the, that still the Iraq war, the second Iraq war was I going see. on. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of violence. Then obviously, you know, then the U.S. has pulled out from the Iraq uh, recently, like maybe a few years ago, five, six years ago, and then ISIS came back. So it's always been a pretty... Um, We'll say a, a dangerous area to live permanently, but um, you know I enjoy getting to know the people, and once you get to know the people, you really enjoy kind of you understand that humans are humans, and we all, you know, have a lot in common. So you try to help them as best you can, help they they help you, and you know we all work together that way. Uh, that's good because that's what you know. In order for us to survive. You know, you need to be, you need each other. You need uh, other people, you know, you need to, to, to help each other to survive because it's really not a, a nice picture to, you know, to, to see a war going on. I, I haven't experienced it, but I, I can imagine how hard it is. I, I see it in the television, the news. It's just horrible. So, 
Glad you're here. <laughs> I'm here and, and, and surprisingly, I, I'll, I'll say that there's a lot of Filipinos that worked with me in the uh, the UN agency that I worked mm-hmm. in. Um, actually, the, some of the, the, the higher uh, officials in the UN agency were Filipino because Filipinos, they're very good at disaster response. They're very good at actually being compassionate to other people and being organized. So we had a, a lot of Filipinos that were uh, in in that uh, industry, so um, it, it's a fond memory of mine for sure. Yeah, we have, um, you know, that thing called bayanihan in the mm. Philippines. Yeah, so we love helping each other. We 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 work together to make things happen in the community. So that's bayanihan. We bring that with us wherever we go. You mm-hmm. know, that's exactly. like our support group right there yeah? yeah so anyway as much as i'd like to know more about your experience in iraq what i really wanted to know is you know of course um your filipino uh, background uh, you told me that your parents are from batangas so have you been to batangas yes i've been to batangas uh, a number of times and i have a lot of family that's still there so anytime i go back home to the philippines i see my my family so my dad's like one of 12 uh kids and his family. So wow. there's tons of cousins and extended family that are still in Batanga. Some are in Manila, some are elsewhere. But there's always a lot of people to go see when I'm in the Philippines. So that's a difference, a big difference when you're here in the United States, because I usually don't see a lot of people in one house unless there's a gathering. But in the Philippines, it's like a common thing. You know, yes. like um, there's a lot of uh, families or relatives always there every day, um, you know, um, walking in and out of your house. It's really easy to to ask help because they're just right there. You know? exactly. When you get out of your uh, of the door, they're already uh, somewhere wherever you look. There's relatives and friends and, and neighbors. So actually, that was our very. That's the very first thing that we, uh, real we noticed when we when we when we came to the United States. Like, where are the neighbors? I don't even know the name of our neighbors. You know, <laughs> it took us a long time to to know who's our neighbor. Um, what are what are their names? Where they come from? What are they doing? It's very different. It's like it's a very lonely world in the beginning. <laughs> in the beginning, and then you 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 make your way through. I think that. Uh, I've figured out or me and my wife have figured out that um, having a pet helps because our everyone likes dogs. So our dog introduces us to every other neighbor that we have. So oh, yes. That makes it easy. But yeah, yeah, I understand. It is always scary to move to a new place. Yeah. Well, well you mentioned your wife. Her name is... Uh... Uh, is Peggy. it Peggy? Yeah, Peggy, because I met her one time. <laughs> so I want to greet uh, Peggy. Hi, Peggy. I hope you're watching. <laughs> if you are, you know, <laughs> you might want to say hi <laughs> in our comment box or not. <laughs> or just text. She's in the other room. She's listening to us. But oh, yeah. Well, on screen. That'd be too anyway, I just want to say hi. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but she's not Filipino, right? She's That's not. right. She's, she's yeah. Taiwanese, but she she knows and kind of she's been to the Philippines with me a lot of times as well. And my, my family's essentially adopted her. So <laughs> she's oh, adopted yeah. Filipino. And she's very sweet. Well, um, uh, Attorney Robert, what Filipino culture have you uh, observed at home when you are growing up? Because your your parents are both Filipinos when they came to the United States. And I understand that they're from Batangas. They probably speak Tagalog. So yes. what are the cultures that you have observed? And uh, did you like those, you know, the culture? Or what are the things that, you know, just give me your observation. I just, I'm just interested to know. Yeah, I think that, I mean, it, it was very, I, I think it's very comforting uh, of, a, of a culture because, you know, when they moved here, they moved here because their family, so, so one member of each of their families had moved to the United States previously. They were living at, in Chicago. And so um, when I was born, essentially me, my mom, my dad, and my sister all were in like one bedroom in, in this, you know, apartment in Chicago, um, in my aunt's house. And eventually, you know, they, we outgrew that for a year, moved to Jersey City in New Jersey, where a lot of Filipinos are. Yes. Um, and so that's where a lot of my, my sister still lives in Jersey City. Um, my family's still in New Jersey. But 
you know, we were always surrounded by a lot of Filipinos. Um, and then we moved to Edison, uh, New Jersey, which is, there's a lot of Filipinos. And growing up, I, I was telling you earlier that they started a Filipino camp. So they sent all their kids to camp over the yes. summer where they would teach them Tagalog and, you know, singing uh, lots of songs uh, in Tagalog and, and traditional Filipino dances and cooking and everything else. So, um, you know, every year for the first like 13 years of being there, I, I learned about my culture. Um, so it, I, I felt like I was really blessed to have that opportunity so that I wasn't behind when a lot of people they you know, that are American born, they learn about the Filipino culture for the first time when they're in college or something later. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I felt really lucky that I had gotten all that when I was a kid and, you know, um, didn't have to try to cram it all in when I was, uh, you know, doing my studies or anything else. I, I got to uh, kind of be comfortable in my own skin a little bit more. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I, uh, you also told me that your favorite dish is uh, dinuguan. Yep. Dinuguan. And, I, yep. and I asked him, do you know what's in dinuguan? He said, yes. <laughs> because I try to, you know, serve dinuguan to my son. And it's like, oh, what is it? And he doesn't even want to try. So, still, yeah. I mean, he's missing out. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, New Jersey, uh, we have a Filipino. Uh, Filipino-American uh, mayor somewhere in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. I don't know where either, but I... I, yeah, I forgot, but he will be my guest in, you know, this one of the Fridays uh, of May. So, yeah, watch out for that. Great. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, um, so Filipino descent, I understand you were born here, you studied here, you you get an opportunity to visit Philippines from time to time, uh, you learn the culture, uh, and, and now you are actually practicing a very uncommon, you know, <laughs> field of law, which is uncommon for me and the people I know. I think you're the only person or attorney I know, Filipino-American attorney I know who's practicing international dispute resolution, you know. Um, so tell us, uh, you know, how did you end up, you know, how did you uh, uh, choose practicing this kind of, you know, uh, law? And what are the challenges that you have experienced as a Filipino American attorney uh, in this field of law? Sure. I mean, so I got into it. Part, I mean, as you heard, I was interested in international work for a long time. So but I, going back to law school, I didn't think that, you know, doing international dispute resolution. I didn't even know that was a practice because no one tells you these things when you go into law school. So I thought I was going to be a corporate lawyer and uh, do contracts and transactional mm -hmm. work and business law. Um, but then I met someone who had a similar background as me, uh, one of the partners at the law firm I now work in, that he, he was working at the UN as a lawyer that did international dispute resolution I had a very interesting practice with, you know, clients from around the world. And we uh, got to have a really good relationship and I still work with him now. And that's a, one of the main reasons why I work in the practice I do. Um, it's definitely something that, you know, if you're the only person that looks like you that goes through, um, you know, the especially in Texas and Houston, working at a large law firm, you don't see as many minorities working in large law firms. Um, and then you also don't see in me particularly that I'm probably the only Filipino at my law firm. So, mm -hmm. um, which is not surprising, um, but you do, um, you do have to kind of pave your own way and learn how to um, ha gain the trust of other people that, you know, may be from different backgrounds as you and have them um, trust what you're doing and get on the same page quickly. So I think that, Getting the, getting the comfort to work in those kind of more difficult situations. Um, and sometimes they, they'll they say something which will be slightly off or, you know, you'll say, well, I'd rather, you know, like they'll think I'm like from somewhere else or I'm a foreign attorney or something. And I was like, well. Like like where? Um, other than Philippines, probably think that you're from not China. Because they usually, they're, you know, if you're Asian, they think you're Chinese. Mm-hmm. Right. I've heard that. I mean, I don't think I get Chinese very often. I've actually gotten more that they confuse me for Latino lawyers or something, which is okay. fine. I mean, I, <laughs> I don't have any problem with that. But I mean, I think that the, the constant, uh, I think anyone who's trying to 
you know, pin you down as where you're from or what you are. Like, I think that that sometimes can, you know, be a hindrance because you, you're like, you're spending more time trying to explain, explain who you are yes. and what you do and how you succeed. So, I mean, it just comes with the territory though. And you take it with grace and you smile and you say, mm -hmm. well, happy to tell you about myself and happy to explain anything you want. And I think that that comes with time um, and being comfortable in what you do. Yeah, I like the way uh, when you said, you know, take it with grace. Because <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, I'm going to explain again. But, you know, let me use this opportunity to, yeah. uh, you know, let them know who I, who I am and who I'm, what, can I, what I can do and I can offer, right? Take that opportunity. Exactly. I mean, if you, I, I did a lot of court practice earlier on in my career. And so if I was appearing in court and someone would ask something like, you know, like that, um, you know, you just, you take it with grace and you say, you know, I'm happy, you know, I'm, I'm here, I'm representing you, I'm, you know, or I'm arguing against you. So, <laughs> and, and you should take me seriously. So yeah. you, do that through your, you don't say that, but you take it through your demeanor. Yeah. I, you know, just, I'm your attorney. That's it. <laughs> or I'm the opposing attorney. That's it. Right. Exactly. Well, thank you for sharing your experience. Really, um, we have different um, experience, but we do, we all, um, you know, get through all, you know, uh, experience challenges at some point as, uh, you know, um, Asian or Filipino or Filipino American here in the U.S. So, um and it's it's very common to uh, you know when you ask uh, every Filipino here they have their own struggle they have they have their own challenges, but guess what we are thriving and we are still here, exactly. <laughs> and we're making things happen. Well, thank you very much for sharing your uh, experience, and um, I'm pretty sure whoever is listening to us right now will be inspired uh, and think that you know what I don't care if I'm uh, you know I'm not wide or I'm not uh, an American really um, you know uh, it's what I can do you know that's I think that is what is important yes we have comments here let's just greet some people here who are um, joining us today during the live show uh, from Lenny Koshat Quasito uh, Botials I always mispronounce your name she's always um, uh, with us during the live show so she said good morning Good morning to you, too. And from Camilo Gorospe Guzman, uh, I think he's greeting us in, in, in Arabic. Am I right? You're right. That's Walaikum exactly. al-salam. Did I say it right? Walaikum al-salam. Walaikum. <laughs> no, you did. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I, I got it right. <laughs> okay. Well, I know that we have a very interesting topic today. I'm gonna. I know I'm gonna learn a lot from you. This is not my my practice. I you know, and I really wanted to know more about it because now that we are already operating globally, even our show is you know global. We are actually global here. We live stream Facebook and YouTube, which can be uh, watched all over the world. So uh, when we come back after a, uh, a short break we'll start uh, talking about your law your practice um which is international dispute resolution so let's pause for a short break stick around hello to everyone from roof chamber radio i'm encouraging all of you to stay here stay in this chamber you want to be inspired you want to be encouraged this is where it's at and we're all going to need this especially you know, in this new year that we're in, we don't know what's up for tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen next week or next month. But I believe that when you gather with people who believe in the power, the faithfulness and the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is power in that in itself. So stay here. Stay in the roof chamber radio. Be inspired. Be encouraged. And let's all go through life not on our own, and more than just with each other, but let's speak the faith, let's share the faith, let's live by faith, and let's walk by faith. God bless you all, everyone, from Roof Chamber Radio. Stay here, stay with us. <laughs> yes, and we're back, and we still have Attorney Robert here with us today. And um, we have uh, another... 
uh, attorney greeting us today, joining us during the live show here. Let's show that. Um, it's uh, from Jim, Jim Bank Narvios. He says, hello, attorneys from Jim. And yes, I'd like to introduce to you um, attorney Robert, attorney Jim. He was, uh, he was my guest, at, I think, two Fridays uh, you know, ago. So he, he's looking forward to the info. And of course, definitely, I'm looking forward to it as well. And so let's um, pop in the first question. Uh, what is commercial dispute? Um, really, I'm, I know what commercial means. I know what dispute means. I know what international means, <laughs> especially now that um, we are actually, everybody is now aware of transacting business across the sea. Like, you know, online businesses are pro uh, uh, proliferating now because of the, I think, I think because of the pandemic, <laughs> the pandemic, uh, you know, showed us uh, the, uh, another world which is already existing for a long time, but we just didn't realize it's there. So now everybody's aware that we transact business across the world. So tell us about this commercial dispute. Sure. At, at a very basic level, any commercial dispute is a dispute between two businesses or two private parties. Um, and it could be um, private parties that sign a contract with each other and they write in their contract certain obligations and rights. It could be for anything, any, you know, the purchase of something. They could be a contractual agreement to provide services, anything like that. Um, and the international aspect of it is that if there's a dispute that goes over any border involving one or more jurisdictions, so it could be two different jurisdictions, um, two different countries, then you're in international commercial disputes and you can resolve disputes in a lot of different ways. Yeah, let me ask, are there a lot of disputes really? Like, are, are there a lot of international commercial disputes happening? Yes, there are a ton of international commercial disputes. So you'll find them in every industry. You'll find them in, you know, telecommunications, energy, um, you know, really it runs the gamut, like the sale of goods, the sale of the, you know, you see it in transshipping, you see it in, 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 in aviation, you see it in every, any industry that you can think of that, you know, might cross borders, international commercial disputes may happen. Yeah, so that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, right. I mean, I'm pretty sure our audience, no, no matter what is your educational background is, we understand what commercial is, you know, because we are all involved in, uh, you know, uh, commercial transactions, like you go shopping online. Um, but I, I do, I still appreciate uh, in-person shopping, <laughs> you know, but we do a lot of uh, online uh, uh, shopping now, uh, shipments being shipped all over the world. I, I, I remember buying something over the uh, uh, in Amazon and I was surprised, probably didn't check it, that it will arrive after a month. I was like, what? A month? Where is it coming from? <laughs> and so, yeah, so you have to check where the good is is coming from because really it makes a lot of difference like when when it came to my house when uh i was like did i even order this i can't even remember that i <laughs> ordered such product but i'm glad it made it at my door so sure. yeah so you've mentioned about telecom you know um big companies right have you handled uh what uh co what is the what, what are common industries that you have you've already handled in in uh uh, involved in commercial dispute resolution? So a lot of being in Houston, a lot of the disputes I handle are energy disputes. So that's mm -hmm. both traditional oil and gas energy disputes, um, or they could be, um, you know, renewable energy disputes. So we're seeing more and more renewable energy disputes. A lot of these, I think what's unique about my practice is the more complex the dispute, the more likely someone like me will get involved. Um, so if you have multiple jurisdictions where you have, you know, for instance, one of the cases I handle, they're building power plants in South America. And so the builder of the power plants or the, the owner, the employer is, uh, actually the parent companies from the United States, but a lot of the, um, the construction companies that work on that are from Spain, from Chile, from Argentina, from elsewhere. 
And so you have this interaction of lots of different laws and different types of uh, parties from different jurisdictions. And all those parties have different expectations when they get in dispute. How is the dispute going to be handled? What's the procedure? Um, what law applies? And so I'm someone who kind of lives in the complexity and I like telling, you know, you know, sorting out exactly, you know, how you should be handling your dispute, what law applies, how you should, you know, what procedure applies, that type of thing. So that's really uh, my specialty is, is the more complicated, the better for me. <laughs> I understand because if it's not complicated, if it's simple, they're just going to re resolve it among themselves, right? So mm -hmm. now if it's complex, then they will need uh, the assistance of, of course, who are um, attorneys who are who practices that kind of, you know, law, you know, dispute resolution. And that's why you are there. And thanks to you, because just imagine if these uh, uh, disputes are not resolved, um, I, I can imagine how it will affect um, the uh, the prices of I don't know oil and gas uh, everything maybe the the products that are being sold somewhere you know because there's I'm pretty sure there's some effects as to uh, whether if there's like like if there's a war in, in in like right now there's a war in Ukraine, look what happened to um, I can't imagine we are like five dollars now or I you know I, I don't yeah I, oil I don't, and gas is very expensive right now there it's are very expensive yeah and part of the good thing is that you get to follow these trends and say okay so why is this happening and you can advise your clients okay so there's going to be a energy um, dearth of energy because mm -hmm. of the, you know, what's going on. And so you might want to plan accordingly. Um, and so that those, that's part of it as well. So there's certainly a lot of things that are related to the wider world that you must be aware of. Yes, that's true. Um, I'm just hoping that uh, the war will be over. And I'm not sure if after the war, we're going to go back to the regular price. <laughs> because really, I'm like surprised. I'm just, I, I usually pay how much for full gas, right? And then now, it'll be the same uh, uh, the same amount, I'm the same price. It's just half. I can only fill half of my tank. So that's really something. Mm -hmm. um, and it affects everything. Travel, you know. Um, even if you wanted to travel a lot, you're going to think about, okay, wait a minute. Let me just wait for, for the, when the war is over or whatever. But yeah, I'm just saying that, um, it has, um, effect, uh, some, um, effects as to wh wherever you are situated in the world, what happened in one part of the world may have some, you know, effects here also in the U S or in the Philippines or wherever you are. So yeah, now I'm, now I'm curious, what are the methods for that you use for resolving international commercial dispute? And what is the most your most favored um, method, if ever you have one? Sure. Um, so I, I even see some questions in the chat as well about, you know, what's more expensive. What, yeah. So if you have a situation where you can you can always go to a national court. So if you're in the U.S., you go to state court in Texas or federal court. If it, you know, if you're allowed to go to federal court and you fall under those rules. Mm -hmm. um, but as an international lawyer, a lot of parties prefer international arbitration. Um, so if they sign a contract, they might include an arbitration clause in that contract, which refers the dispute to an institutional arbitration, um, maybe under the American Arbitration Association, maybe it's under the International Chamber of Commerce, something else that will organize the, uh, the arbitration. And there are some advantages to that. So the ar arbitration awards are more easily enforceable worldwide. So if you have an arbitration award, there are a lot of countries that are a signatory to a treaty called the New York Convention, which mm -hmm. allows you to enforce these arbitral awards in a different jurisdiction. So if I get an arbitral award, um, even if it's seated in New York, I can go to France and enforce it as if and you can make that into a French judgment relatively easily. Um, as opposed to if you went to a U.S. court and got a judgment, there would it's much more difficult to you take that U.S. judgment and enforce it, for instance, in the Philippines or somewhere, because um, there may be more it, there. There's no treaty, or there may be no specific treaty that 
governs the enforcement of a judgment between those two countries, but they're more likely to have a stronger treaty that enforces arbitration awards. Um, so that's one advantage of that, and that's why I like it so much. But there are drawbacks um, because you can, in some instances, uh, handle your dispute more easily in national court, in a U.S. court or a Texas court. It may be um, it, there may be advantages and disadvantages to choosing various different forms. So I think it depends on um, uh, the who, who are the parties, I guess, in the in the dispute involving the commercial dispute or um, how complex is the issue. Mm -hmm. So, but um, yeah, so arbitration. Uh, oh, I, okay. So I think that's the question of, uh, I think Rusty Lopez, can we please put up, put up his question on the screen? Yeah, there it is. It is from Rusty Lopez. Hi to you. Um, he said, he asked, is it more costly to go through court hearings than uh, IDR? Mm -hmm. And IDR stands for International Dispute Resolution, but I'll take that to mean more specifically international arbitration, like I mentioned, um, as mm -hmm. that's, I think, becoming the, the default way to resolve international commercial disputes or international disputes in general. Um, is it more costly? It depends. That's the usual lawyer answer to everything. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it can be more expensive. It can be less expensive. It just depends on the motivation of the parties and what they agree in their contract and how big is the dispute. So courts and court fees are generally very predictable. You can look them up, you know exactly how much they are. But um, the lawyer fees that work in the court, they vary widely. And same thing with the arbitration. Arbitration fees can be low or they can be high, depending on how much is at the, at the mountain dispute. So um, that'll really drive how much uh, costs go into it. So it could be um, more expensive to try it in court. It could be more expensive to try it in international arbitration. Um, sometimes it's better to mediate your dispute, but that's always an option as well. So there's always uh, kind of cost considerations and each, um, each institution that administers international arbitration has a different fee schedule. Those dictate how much uh, the arbitration will be, the fees to the arbitrators, how senior they are, do you want a really experienced arbitrator? Do you want someone who's younger and might charge less fees? Um, those are questions that kind of come up when you're you're thinking about how much each of these options cost. Wow, thank you for answering that. And thank you for that question, Resty Lopez. Now I have, I have a follow-up question before we read uh, Jim's question there on the, uh, on the comment uh, box. Um, uh, based on the cases that you've handled, how long does it usually take for uh, one case to be resolved uh, using, you know, arbitration um, method? Yeah, assuming a smaller smaller amount in dispute. So the so if you have a dispute that is, I mean, all of it has to do with the size of dispute. If you have a dispute that's five hundred thousand dollars to a million dollars it might take a year to resolve. If you yeah. have something in the range of three to three to $20 million, then maybe that'll take two years to resolve. Um, if you have something that's in the $100 million, then that can take maybe four years to resolve. I'm just eyeballing, um, just in my own personal experience. And if you have something that is in the billions of dollars, it could take quite a long time, depending on how motivated the parties are to to resolve the dispute because you can definitely each of the parties also can drag their feet and make it more difficult to reach a final uh, decision. So it looks like um, the smaller the amount involved, the easier it's uh, it to be resolved, right? <laughs> or the faster. Maybe but I mean, the faster the easier. As the big disputes, but at least there's motivation not to spend too much time and money because you know you don't want to spend the fees on lawyers or on court or arbitrator fees you want to be efficient wow yeah i mean i can imagine of course if you're talking about billion dollars there right um you're not just going to easily give up or you know whatever uh, you're going to fight for it you know yep. <laughs> you'll, and you'll take every you'll, every, party, you can, every, you know, yeah. every opportunity you can to argue your party's case but I mean, within reason, there's there's always rules and you have to follow the rules and that's important. 
So at least it could be arbitrated. I mean, they're willing to uh, settle things and not, I don't know what other things that they can do other than settling it. Um, I'm pretty sure everybody wanted to settle the dispute and, you know, um, put a stop to it and you can move on to whatever you're doing um, and not be uh, stressed out because of this dispute. So, yeah, who who doesn't want to resolve an issue, right? Okay, let's uh, share. Uh, let's put up uh, Jim's uh, question here. He has a very good question. So thank you for this question, Jim. He's, he asked, how did you get into and make your decision to choose your specific practice of international commercial disputes? So it's a great question. Um, I wish I had a more intentional answer because anytime I talk to lawyers that are trying to get in the field, I always give uh, kind of tips to be intentional and to you know game plan who you want to talk to, how you want to get in your field. But for me... Um, mine was more serendipity because I, I um, the law firm that I intern at, the, the boss that I had uh, worked at the UN and was a UN lawyer. And so we had an, a, you know some things in common because I worked at the UN before too and had an interest in international work. And so I, as a young attorney or a, in law school, I didn't know what I did in my, my current practice. I didn't know that it existed. So um just meeting someone who had similar interests to me that um, had what was more senior to me that had kind of started his career and, and made a career out of doing international disputes. Um, I was able to model my career a little bit after that. And, and therefore I've, I've, you know, kind of been able to develop, you know, a practice based off of international commercial disputes, international arbitration generally, um, where other people have might have more difficulty doing that. Yeah, so thank you for that question, Jim, and thank you for the answer, Attorney Robert. Uh, we have a greeting here from Delia Ligot, which uh, uh, my, my mom, <laughs> she is in Australia. She, she said, blessed day, attorneys. Thank you, mom. Thank you, Nanai, for watching <laughs> uh, the live show. Um, I think we already answered that. Yes, so before, you know, um, Attorney Robert is not just, you know, uh, focusing his uh, um skills in the practice of law but also he is very much involved in uh, some filipino-american organization and we'll talk more about that uh, when we come back after a short break hi we are so pleased to be with you thank you for being with us we want to invite you to be uh, part of the diffusion latina uh, portal de fe we are the spanish ministry of roof chamber radio and we are so blessed to be with uh, these guys all around the world. Please be with us on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, we would love very much uh, to know how God is blessing you. And please come along and support us. God bless you and see you then. And we're back and well, we still have attorney Robert here. Sa Usapang off the record. And uh, attorney Jim uh, posted, um, he said, great answer. Thanks for sharing. Yes, I definitely. We, we love you. Uh, we love it when we see people or audience commenting or asking questions because the engagement really gives us, you know, um, I don't know, a feeling of excitement that, hey, we're really sharing some knowledge here, some legal, important legal knowledge to our audience. Because like I said, you may not need that knowledge right now, but who knows later on or if you have a friend who might need that knowledge, you'll be able to share. Right. So, okay. So my our next my next question to Attorney Robert. I know he's very much involved in uh, you know Filipino American organizations. Matter of fact, I know he is uh, with the Enfala, which is the National Filipino uh, Lawyers Association. Did I get it right? Oh my gosh, I'm a member of this. So, <laughs> um, and that's what uh, how I came to know Attorney Robert and uh, other Filipino American lawyers all over the U.S. Um, really great group uh, organization. Um, uh, actually, it helped me a lot in uh, you know um, gaining some confidence to practice here in the U.S. Um, and this is actually um, common questions by Filipino lawyers who you know who, who came to the United States and wanted to practice. Uh, being a Filipino or a Filipino American 
how are we doing it here? So I guess I'll ask uh, Attorney Robert, how are you doing it here in the United States? I know you're born here, but still, you know, you have Filipino uh, blood and we look Filipino, of course. <laughs> so how are you doing it? We want to know. I think the biggest thing is to um, develop some being comfortable in your own skin. And regardless of where you are and what field you are practicing, I think it's very easy to kind of get down on yourself or, or um, think about, you know, oh, I don't look like anyone here. I'm not going to be successful because, you know, uh, I'm, I have a different background. I have, uh, you know, and I think that, you know, oftentimes you have this imposter syndrome that you're thinking, oh, I don't belong. I don't, you know, I don't deserve to yeah. succeed here. Um, and I think it's one of the hardest things in the world to get over that and to, you know, have confidence in your own abilities to, to practice and practice and practice some more to get yourself confident. Um, so early in my career, I definitely was, you know, fearful of public speaking and fearful of, you know, arguing in court, that type of thing. And, and the best advice I could give anyone is to just keep at it, to make yourself do something that's uncomfortable and to do it over and over and over again until it's less uncomfortable. And maybe it will never be perfectly comfortable, but that's how you grow as a person. That's how you grow as a lawyer. Um, so for anyone who kind of feels that way when you're first starting to practice, or even if you've been practicing for lots of years and you get that kind of idea in your mind that, you know, I don't know if I could do this, then remind yourself that, you know, you could always do more than you think you can. Wow, very inspiring. Actually, you know, it reminded me when I was in school, uh, when I was taking my Master of Laws, and I have to present in class, and I was so scared, because they might not understand me, because it's different, you know, because I'm not born here, I'm not a, uh, a native uh, speaker here, so um, it was very scary to argue in front of um, a lot of, uh, you know, um, law students and professors <laughs> so but they were very friendly and they're very supportive and they understand and so um yeah i can imagine um it, like you're already born here and you still have that kind of fear you know so this the imposters uh you know syndrome is really real <laughs> so yes, i have yeah it, you know i have to overcome that i'm still it's still it's still there but you know uh at some point you'll gain confidence and um i think the best advice that i've heard from other filipino uh american lawyers here is lakas ng loob they said lakas lang ng ano lakas lang ng loob yan Mm -hmm. That's what they said. So I was like, ah, uh, I may have a lot of that, but <laughs> I probably need more than that. But yeah, I, I just, you know, think of if others can do it, I can do it as well. Maybe not uh, as good as them yet, but, you know, I'll get there. So yeah, it's lakas lang ng loob. That's what I uh, tell people also who's asking me, like, how are you doing it? Because um, I know there are some uh, Filipino attorneys who are uh, reaching out to me via Facebook. They're interested in practicing here. What are they going to do? How are they going to start? You know, like, you know, um, uh, applying for, uh, you know, getting into law school, you get your master's and, uh, and then start from there. And then when you're here, when you get here, don't forget to network, ne network, network, network. That's what they said. It's just all about networking. And so my question is, <laughs> how are you building your network, Attorney Robert? I mean, you you, you do it in everything you do, and you do it uh, with based, basically being yourself, being authentic, but putting yourself out there. I think that's the biggest thing is that you have to, you know, take that extra step to um, go to, you know, Ask someone to go to a coffee, go to go to a conference. So if you're so if you're a Filipino attorney that is, you know, getting your LLM here, um, go to a conference uh, where you know that some of your employers that might be able to hire you and, and keep you in the U.S. and offer you a job, you know, go to those and give yourself the opportunity to make a connection um, with those attorneys so that they can, you know, be in a position to um, at least, you know, tell you, give you some advice, ask for, you know, information. And then slowly and sure, but surely you'll get the, the opportunity to prove yourself or to, and you have to always give yourself as many opportunities as you can open as many doors as you can. Um, because, you know, not all of them are going to work out. So I think it's always this, this, um, this never ending, supposedly, <laughs> um, you know, uh, 
effort to reach out to people, always being yourself, always just trying to um, impart some kind of your own personality to every interaction you have, but taking the time. And it takes a lot of time. So you can't just do it a little bit. You, you can't just send a few emails and think that that's enough or, you know, you can't you show up somewhere and, and um, hope that, um, you know, someone's going to start a conversation with you. I know that it's really difficult, but you have to just put yourself out there. And, but I mean, always stay true to who you are. I mean, cause someone, everyone knows when you're not being yourself, you know, cause you could feel it yourself. You feel self-conscious yeah. and you can tell that they know that you're not being yourself. You're just trying to sell yourself or always just keep it as authentic as you can while keeping it professional as well. Yeah, that's right. Authentic and professional at all times. That's very important. Uh, you know, I remember when I tried to uh, network, because that's what they told me, always network, 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 um, always have that, um, your business card with you. Well, you know, Jurassic, right? Business card, because I know a lot of people are not using business card anymore. They have the QR code now. Yeah, QR right? codes now, yeah. Yes, but then it was, you know, um, business cards. You have to have that all the time, wherever you go. Always have it with you because um, it's about networking. And I remember when I was, try, you know, trying to uh, get to know other, uh, not just Filipino-Americans, but other people, um, uh, uh, people in the community as well. I I I remember they telling me, ooh, you're blending in. <laughs> so like I I I try to eat their food as much as I can. Cause I, I tell myself, you know what? I can always walk away if ever, you know, like if this is not my thing, I can always walk away. But um let me try it first. I I think that's the mentality that you should have if you're trying to really uh expand your um connection, you know, network. You don't be scared of going into a, an event that you know nobody and you haven't tasted that kind of food <laughs> you know? i'm pretty sure you're not uh, you know it's not it's not gonna kill you because you know they're alive they're eating it <laughs> so yeah. but of course you can always walk away if it's not your thing so lakas lang ng love that's what they you know they, they keep on telling yeah wow it's already 9 52 um i guess i just want to ask one more question uh do we have any question oh yeah uh, we have a question here from Rusty Lopez. Can you please put that up? Yes, there it is. What are your advice to Filipino-American kids who, who dream to be an attorney, probably here in the U.S., and become successful attorney here in the U.S.? I mean, I think, I mean, it's hard for me to give advice because for me, it was a slow process of realizing and finding my path. Um, so ultimately, I think that if you're a kid and you want to aspire to this, there are, I, I would say, find a role model and find someone that you can kind of emulate yourself from. And, you know, I think pace yourself, <laughs> because I think that a lot of us are very driven people and you, it's easy to burn out, especially as kids. I mean, you put a lot, there's a lot of pressure put on kids nowadays to do this, do that. I think that if that's truly what you want, Find a, find a role model, find a, a sponsor, someone who can kind of lead you along the way. Um, one thing that is unfortunate for Filipino Americans often that, you know, our white colleagues don't necessarily have is they have generations and generations of experience. Maybe their grandfather and their father and their great grandfather were lawyers. Um, so they already know what to do. The only thing you can do to make up for that is, I mean, besides the generational wealth that they have and we don't, <laughs> is is to make those relationships and find someone. It might be, you know, another Filipino American attorney. It might be someone who's not Filipino that you might have to develop a relationship with. And if you're a kid, if you're a teenager, if you're growing through, or I mean, this is applicable to anyone. If you can, if you want to do something that you're not doing currently, find someone who is doing it well and then get to know them. Um, but if you're a kid, especially, you know, find a role model that can, you know, tell them what they did to get to where they are. And if they want it bad enough, then, you know, they'll, they'll start, you know, emulating that in some sort of way, acting, you know, finding the activities, you know, studying in a way that gets them to the schools that will allow them to practice in, in, in law the way they want to. 
Oh, thank you. That's a really good advice. And Attorney Jim said authenticity. Yes, definitely. We're always looking for authentic and also diversity. You know, Houston is very, very diverse. Um, and that is a good thing <laughs> because uh, we learn a lot from each other. And also um, innovation is, a, is, a, is a, I think it's a, a key to um, good to make uh, things happen, good change, good things happen, I guess. I mean, it, well, it depends on how you use it, <laughs> I guess, how you view it. It's your, it's, it's where you're, uh, you're coming from. Um, it's your point of view, you know, but, you know, be authentic. That is, um, that is, uh, a, I think a great tool because if they know that you are true, they'll be true to you as well. I mean, it's, that's how you gain friends. You know, who does, who, who, who wants to be associated with fake people like fake news, right? <laughs> who wants to read fake news, but it's all over. So yeah. Um, wow. Very, very good um, uh, advice, attorney Robert. And I know that um, we have a few more minutes, so, but I want to ask, because I know you're very much involved in different organizations. What are the organizations that you are very much involved with? And uh, I mean, Filipino American organizations, because there's a lot and I'm really very thankful to these organizations because I'm learning a lot from different people in the organizations. And also uh, this or being, being part of this Filipino American organizations, whatever it is, uh, I, I find comfort and uh, I feel like I'm not alone in this world. That's so, exactly yeah. yeah. So you go ahead and tell us about your, uh, this organization you're involved with. Sure. I mean, so the National Filipino American Lawyers Association, as you mentioned, um, yeah, there yeah, and follow, they're a great network of, uh, different organizations from across the country. So um, you may have like the Bay Area chapter, you'll have, you know, um, the New York chapter of the Filipino American Lawyers Association, that all, 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 there's chapters from around the world, but then the national organization, I'm on the board as a trustee of the national organization. The national organization's job is to make sure that the network is thriving, that they're supported, um, that th there's a lot of programming that the national organization does to support and connect Filipino attorneys from all across the United States in a lot of different practice areas. So that, you know, if you're looking for like an immigration lawyer from, you know, Arkansas, you're probably going to find one from the national Filipino network. Yes. So you have um, a, a built-in network of people that you're, you know, it might be your kuyas, your titas that'll take care of you if you're moving from one state to the other. It, it'll be, you know, you know, I've ha received referrals from people in the network for work. So it's a great professional organization. But more than that, it's a personal and uh, important organization. So you can get mentorship, give mentorship to other people. Um, see other people when you're at, a, you know, traveling to a new city, you can always have someone to call up. So I think that that organization is really, you know, something that I've just gotten into the past couple of years and something that's really enriched my career. Um, it's a great community. So one that um, I find a lot of value in um, as far as the Filipino organizations are concerned. Um, for um, in Houston, I'm the vice president of uh one of the vice presidents of the AABA, which is the Asian Bar, Asian American Bar Association. Which I'm and, also part of it. <laughs> yes. And so, as, uh, so I'm the vice president of community relations in pro bono. So I work with community groups on uh, finding pro bono opportunities for lawyers, but especially to do programming to educate the community. So um, in part of my roles over the course of the past couple of years, so in the 2018 election, for instance, there was an issue um, with the voting and Vietnamese uh, and Korean voters that uh, could not get uh, language access. So we were facilitating making sure that the county, Harris County, would provide translators or allow translators to work in precincts to help translate for voters. Um, so we try to do as much community-based activities as possible to make sure that um, what's concerning in our communities is addressed as quickly as possible and through a way that is, you know, humane and, you know, provides support. 
Wow. Thank you for sharing those in, uh, very important information, Attorney Robert. Thank you for inspiring us today, you know. Um, and uh, what I will always, probably what our, ta our takeaways here is maybe authenticity. <laughs> yes, right. And um, don't be scared. Find an opportunity. Uh, we really appreciate your time and effort, Attorney Robert. Thank you so much. And if they do have any questions for you, how, uh, how can they reach you or connect with you? Sure. You can find my um, contact information. You have that on the screen right there. Uh, it's, it's my Vincent Elkins of VE Law. That's the website. And you can find my uh, contact information there if you can't write it down now. But I'm always happy to take emails from folks and to, uh, to share my experiences. Well, thank you. So now you know where to contact attorney Robert. And if you have any questions for me, just go to our website, legaldecentlaw.com. You can send me a message or a scheduled appointment through our website. Well, thank you. Wow. It's already uh, one minute past <laughs> 10 here in the United States, here in Texas. So uh, before we go, I'd like to say thank you to all our um, viewers and listeners. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you to uh, Fenji Villasine, our technical support today. And of course, also the president of Roof Chamber Media Corporation uh, that produces Roof Chamber Radio Pinoy. Um, maraming maraming salamat. I'll see you all next week. Sa isa na namang usapang off the record. This is Eileen. Have a great weekend, everyone. Bye-bye.